Welcome to Brilliance, a podcast dedicated to revealing the beauty and brilliance of humanity and the world one story at a time. Thank you for listening in. I'm your host, Emma Bennett, owner and founder of Manifest Vibes Productions and an author. Re-listening to the audio from this upcoming episode that you're just about to listen to after I get done with the audio edits was like instantaneous joygasm. Devin, I hope you don't mind me using this term. Co-creating is such a joy. When you get into creative flow and you get into a jam session with another artist, it's just, you get really juiced up. It just feels so enthralling. For me, I feel like this is how you know you're in your zone of genius. You get that feeling. You become very immersed in the flow and the currents of creativity. And that's exactly what happened during this conversation with Devin Seegers, who is an amazing musician, artist, producer. He describes listening and attention as acts of devotion. And he creates music as a means of connection and communication. For him, creating music is an act of love. And this was the most poignant, profound point. Let me get my headphones connected here. I was wondering if I should just get my recording mic instead of just I don't know. You're the the sound expert. Does it make a <laughs> difference if I have my actual good mic or my laptop? If you have it, might as well use it, right? Yeah, might as well. This is recording. And if it gives you problems, let it go. That's kind of my <laughs> philosophy with it. <laughs> I've been learning that because as an artist, I've been into painting, sculpting, all kinds of things since I was a kid. And I used to be such a perfectionist. I used to grab my eraser and just scrub the heck out of my papers and throw away my artwork if I felt like it was not good enough. And then I found <laughs> a kid who had all the artwork that I was trying to trash in her locker. She was taking my artwork and stuffing it in her wow. locker. And later she told me, she said, I actually thought your stuff was really good. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> What a beautiful story. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think what we can call one of the harshest critics. Yep. Yep. I know a few things about that. <laughs> I bet you do. Being the creative spirit that you My childhood story was writing one, or not writing, but drawing one line, and then it not being the picture that I had in my mind, throwing a tantrum. I don't even remember that, but that was the story that my my mom would tell me and I was like wow it goes back that far this perfectionism thing <laughs> yeah but that is what creativity essentially is you envision something mm -hmm. and you can never draw it out to create something that takes the perfect form of what you envision you can never do that because it just comes from this other place this other realm of consciousness and you're trying to mm -hmm. bring it into the material world the only thing you can do is to create the best translation of it that you can possibly come up with, right? Right. And it's hard to do when you are judging it immediately. Oh my gosh, yes. That judgment part is just, I mean, what do you even do with that? It's a lifelong, <laughs> it's a lifelong <laughs> journey of 
not just overcoming and smashing the crap out of it to make it go away. That actually seems to make it stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting approach to judgment, like aggression towards judgment. (laughs) For me, I feel like there is a way that you can become aware in in a compassionate way of holding space for it and allowing yourself to have those judgments. But at the same time, not allowing those judgments to override your ability to take inspired action. Yeah. Yeah. I love how many places where it seems that we're on the same page. So it's nice to connect. It is. And Phil, man, is this like, is this like mic set up? Do you want to dive right in? Do you have like an official little intro? I don't know how you like to run these. Well, there is an automatic intro to the podcast, and usually what I dive into first is just letting people know who you are and grabbing the links, putting it up in the description details. I also edit out my audio, so if there are things that we talk about that are really juicy and good, I'll keep it in there. But if we have side chats, it's totally okay. I can just snip it out. Cool, cool, cool. And just logistics before we dive in. How is my volume coming in? This is a mic I don't usually use, but it can volume run a little hot. Volume is not good. too not too loud. No, Great. your voice is perfectly clear, and you have Choo-choo. a beautiful voice. Why? Thank you. Why? Thank <laughs> you. I can't take credit for it. But... Well, <clears throat> before we dive in, I just want to share just how I perceive you, just based on what I've seen of how you put your work out into the world and what I've intuitively picked up on you. I just see you as an incredibly sensitive visionary. also has the innate capacity to see the vision in other people. You're able to see what they have the potential to create and you're able to draw that vision out of them into clearer focus. So you're able to do that with your coaching, but also you're able to channel your spirit into your music that you co-create with your sister. Am I on the right page here? I feel very seen. Thank you. (laughs) That's good. Can you tell the the listeners what it is that you do? Yeah, I will do my best. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Um, I'm noticing my resistance to the word visionary, which has been around for a long time. That that resistance to like, oh, that you know, I've I've heard that before. I'm working with the copywriter now, and she was uh, angling that into my thing, and I'm like, ooh, that still feels like a big term for for me, this guy. <laughs> but you know, like I at at the same time, I look at the definition of it and what it means. And it's like, yeah, that's everything I'm about. That is everything that I choose to be and that I wish to be and that I, you know, actively, <laughs> actively practice it. So resistance is something that I can relate to because it's I've worked in the tech world. I've worked in entertainment. So mm-hmm. people often tout some sort of Silicon Valley tech titan as a visionary. And the people True. have all these ideas, these connotations, but also with a big term we often kind of hesitate to allow the bigness of ourselves to be put front and center and shown to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 
And it is just the fact that it's it's putting it up on this pedestal and making it a big term. Right. But something that I reread recently was Marianne Williamson talking about how when you shine your light, in a way you give permission for others to do the same. 100%. And yeah. there's no, there's really no use. It's pretty silly to hide your light. When what's the purpose of a light? Well, thank you for seeing my light. I, I appreciate it. And yes, that is definitely one of my skills is to see others and to see what they're capable of and where they're going and treating them for where they are going and not for their current circumstances. And, um, I think it's one of the greatest gifts, mostly because of how much I've struggled with it in my life of, of not feeling like I have clarity, of feeling like I've been spinning my wheels, of feeling like I'm working in a million different directions and, uh, you know, folders and hard drives and uh, old iPhones filled with voice memos of ideas and, and all this stuff. And, and really, it's been a, a process of my own to hone my artistic capacity, my creative leadership, my ability to actualize. And it's it's a really cool thing that I get to help other people do that as well, because it, it just completes the cycle. Like the more I help other people, the more I, it helps me, the more I can help other people, the more it helps. Like, it's just such a beautiful loop. I feel like that comes from your journey of healing, integration and empowerment, though. That was your hero's journey. You had to overcome all of that and you're still working on it because that's kind of like your cornerstone, you. like a healing cornerstone. But because that is where you gain mastery, you're able to use the wisdom that you have gained, the experiences, and you're able to apply those perspectives to help other people who are struggling in a similar area. Yeah. yeah. And you're saying some of my favorite words, wisdom is is one of my top core values and mastery and the way that i'm looking at mastery now is it's this game of infinite refinement it's like it's not a place that you reach it's this iterative process of keep continuously showing up and with devotion and curiosity and and like enthusiasm yeah. and that's kind of the creative endurance that allows you to <laughs> figure it out and, and create right so I think it's it's about just mastering the creative process, whatever mastering is, and sharing it with others. And um, I didn't really answer your first question, but what I typically do with people is, like, it's, it's easier for me to talk about the thoughts and beliefs and philosophies behind it and my coaching philosophies, rather than to actually talk about the end result. But mostly people come in with these secret dreams, these projects that they put on the back burner, these like legacy projects, um, even, what was it? Um, someone, someone approached me with magnum opus last month. And I was like, Ooh, oh, that's, wow. a, that's a big one. I yeah, mean, right? I tried to it's, it's that the, right out the gate. Woo. Yeah, it's like, okay, okay. And, uh, you know, that's a conversation I'll have. But it's these things that are people on people's hearts that are, I dare say, callings. You know, it's like there's no rational, logical reason for why they would want to create it. It's probably not what they were indoctrinated with school. It's probably not what their mom wanted them to do. It's probably not like any of those things. But for some reason, they're called to create. And there's this frustration of the inability to articulate what we are choosing to create. 
And from that leads to distractions. Like if we never clearly define what we are creating, how do we even know what's a distraction and what's not? And there are just like so many little points of the creative process where we can get in our own way and whether it be not having the focus, not having the follow through, not having the tangible systems, like all of these things. But what I find so beautiful is after working with someone, I see them actually doing the thing. And whether it be leading the retreat, writing the book, launching the album, it's like they're doing the thing. And I just want to see everyone in the world like choosing what's for them and doing their thing. Definitely. When people get to that point, I feel like it's so liberating. Yeah. Like they just finally get to do what they have felt all along that they were meant to do. And that releases more of your own essence. And you actually shine brighter that way because you develop this sort of pride and confidence in a healthy way. And it builds up your self-esteem naturally and helps you connect more with your wholeness, your feeling of, oh, this is me. This is my life. This is where I belong. This is how I am. And I don't need to strive anymore to become something or to incorporate parts of other mm -hmm. people that I find admirable to try and become a somebody. I already am somebody and I'm doing my thing and I'm loving it. <laughs> That's a powerful place to create from. Yeah. So I bet you've seen these sort of sparks of aha or, oh my gosh, I finally get it. Or this was in my face the whole time. Or, oh my gosh, this is all just <laughs> hidden in plain sight. Like you get to see that in the people that you work with, right? Basically every week. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, thank you for reflecting on that because it's been a long journey and, and I recognize that that's a pretty privileged thing to be able to, to witness especially like consistently. Yeah. Very confirming <laughs> that you're there doing your thing. And because you're shining your light, you're basically like passing the torch to other people. You're doing the, the whole Prometheus thing where you're passing on the fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you see, another one of my favorite terms comes from my friend, Alex and we're adventure buddies. Like we've been to Alaska and Peru. We've been backcountry and like, got held hostage by a grizzly bear. We have tons of stories. Oh my gosh. But um, he brought up the concept of lamplighters. And I just absolutely love it. It's like, we all, this idea that, what if we were just all lanterns? And it doesn't take anything more from you to go over and light someone else's lantern and then have them illuminated and walking through the world that they could pass it forward and pay it forward and pass it along. And it's like, Look what you're doing with your podcast. Something in you is inspiring and you're like, I'm going to make a podcast. And here you're doing it. Yeah, I just, I really wanted to do it back in 2021. I actually found a recording that I did in December, 2021. And my health was in a really bad place. I've been recovering from traumatic brain injury for about eight years. So it's been a long, hard slog, but I have just constantly felt like I am meant to get through this and I'm meant to get on the other side of this so that I can do something that initiates positive change somehow for other people in this world. And I just saw like little eight seconds, 48 seconds, 30 seconds, little fragments of sustained focus because I was unable to sustain the focus long enough to go for a whole podcast episode. 
And so I worked with my naturopathic doctor and my therapist and all these integrative practitioners. And I've just been sort of working quietly in the darkness where nobody can see me and the efforts that I'm putting in and just constantly telling myself over and over again, this is worth it. This is going to pay off. And I recently went on one of my own episodes solo and I saw my recordings instead of like 32 fragments of seconds put together, mm-hmm. I was able to go for 10 minutes and then take a break and go for 10 minutes. I just feel like, woohoo, I'm finally able to do it, which is why I'm restarting the podcast and I'm going right back into it. And I feel like I just love to draw out other people's stories. And I feel like when two people shining their lights come together, like we co-create a pretty positive force of change. And that can really initiate something for others that we can't even fathom or foresee like who knows what people are going to be inspired to go out there and do with their lives after they hear our conversation and hear some sort of confirmation or hear something that they feel like they needed to hear for the longest time ever and they're finally hearing and they're just like oh my gosh finally here it is (laughs) right yeah it's one of the most beautiful things like oh you you plant all these seeds and you have no idea which ones are going to grow or what they're going to turn into and then like you hear back from people maybe like years or months later and it's one of the most beautiful things you're like oh I forgot that even happened I'm glad that it (laughs) you know shifted something for you I'm glad that that was the message at that time that you needed to hear and I just happened to be the person that you heard it from and like you know but I'm sure you're putting this out there you're doing this for yourself in a way and I think that's in in many ways the most powerful place to create from is like I'm doing this for myself maybe others will, maybe others will, uh, you know, kind of get on the same frequency. But even if no one else heard this, would you have enjoyed the process so far? Absolutely. And speaking of like being on the same frequency, I'm just loving the frequency that we're on together and just riding this sort of co-creative wave. And even that just feels like such a pleasure and privilege. Like there's a sort of co-creative playgrounds that I feel are both kind of playing in here and it mm-hmm. feels really good so it's worth it, it does generating this positive energy and momentum that in itself is absolutely so valuable like beyond I mean it's priceless <laughs> I I can't agree more my theme for this year um I tried to pick a word and this one ended up to be two words and it was expansive collaboration oh and it's, I just realized like, it, this is my favorite thing to do is to, is to metaphorically like volley with someone creatively and bounce ideas and find that pocket, find that sweet spot. Yeah, me too. I was just so excited when you got back around to me and just said, let's go, let's do it. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for in, in the invitation and your patience in my resistance. I had actually finished up a, a podcast when you had asked me and I was like, I didn't feel like it went well. I didn't, I'm not uh, a speaker. The synergy wasn't really there. Well, it was just like, I don't, I didn't want to do another podcast to be completely transparent. I've never felt good about how I've come across on a podcast. And oh. realistically, my strengths are in my listening and my perception and my ability to ask the right question. And I'm not like this public speaker guy. 
at all. <laughs> so it's a totally new skill set. It's a totally new edge to lean into. And and thank you. I get to get to practice and soften that edge now. But I feel like too, when we're approaching speaking from the head, and we're also not feeling not feeling completely comfortable. Yeah. It's much harder. There is more resistance. But then when somebody <laughs> invites you into a heart-to-heart -heart conversation, I feel like it's a whole different feeling. Yeah. 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 And actually, uh, my sister is my greatest collaborator. And she had that quick little reframe that just was like, oh, right, right. And she's like, it's not an interview. It's a podcast. Like, you're there to go have a heart-to-heart -heart with someone. Mm-hmm. You're not there to go present this perfectly packaged signature speech, which I don't even want to do anyways. <laughs> right. And when you even try to put something like that out there, it just feels so formulaic. It feels like my old geography professor who just had a <laughs> terrible monotone. I remember once yep. everyone yep. in the classroom would fall asleep because he would sit on his desk and he would just say in a monotone voice that I can't even imitate. He would say every single time. Let's get geographical and just kind of go ha 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 to himself. And then as soon as he would start, everyone in the classroom would just start falling asleep. It was like narcolepsy on command. And one day I just felt really awful. I just felt like, oh, he's the, the professor that gets no love from anybody. And from the school cafeteria, I grabbed a cupcake. I remember it was a root beer cupcake. Somebody in the, the back in the kitchen was trying to get creative. And I put it on his desk where he usually sits. And he actually came and sat on it. And he got up and he turned around to go to the blackboard and he was frosting all over his butt. And it was just. It was so oh, wow. <laughs> I love the plot twist. I was like, that's the most loving thing. Like, oh, the, the ripple effect from doing something so just like these acts of kindness. And then he's <laughs> walking around with frosting on his ass. Yeah, frosting on his ass. That was the only time people paid attention because they were all snickering and giggling and just trying so hard not to laugh at him. And then somebody tried to put their hand up and just say, Professor Allen, I'm very sorry, but you have frosting on your ass. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I was just like, what did I do? I just... Oh, that's too good. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> yeah, but... What a gem. It it comes with a funny story, but I still like feel like okay when you just try to be so informative and in control, you just end up not sharing your real essence because you're just too up in your heads, and then there's judgment, and then there's resistance, and then it's just not working because you're not flowing. You need that mm -hmm. flow, right? And you're mm -hmm. all about that. You know about that flow and how important it is to get into that flow and learn like you mentioned devotion it's devotion you're devoted yeah. to being in that flow no matter what happens in your life no matter what kinks your water hose whatever steps on it you're going to get back in the flow and you're going to really like continue the practice with devotion right mm. chef's kiss <laughs> you get it you get it and I love that term that you used, lamplighter, was it? Mm, yeah. It reminds me of something. Have you seen the HBO show Atlas of the Heart with Brene Brown? I have not, no. 
so good. It goes into emotions and reframes all these emotions that we think we know. Mm -hmm. Her challenge is, do you really think you understand this emotion? Amazing. I'll check it out. And she has this way of talking about how she teaches emotions and vulnerability to her kids. I think, I don't remember the name of her daughter. It was one of her kids came home from school and said, I did this really awesome thing. And I was trying to show somebody because I just felt proud and happy. And she said, another kid shut her down. And she felt shamed. She felt really bad. So she's talking to her mom about this and she was in tears. And Brene told her kids, like, these are, what does she call them? Candle blower outers. She said, these are the people (laughs) that are going to try and blow out your light, but you can't focus on the negative impact that they have on you. Of course, she worded this in a kid-friendly way. And plot twist, they're all magical candles, like the ones that you, (laughs) the trick candles you try to blow out and they come back. Yeah, seriously, be a trick candle. And she is talking about how, you know, you have to be with people who celebrate and honor your light, people who will nurture and nourish that light with their love, their support. And I feel like that's what you mean by being the lamplighter instead of the candle blower outer, right? There are a lot of people there that that don't want, it's uncomfortable to shine around some people or some people feel uncomfortable. I even shut down around people with really big personalities that are like really expressed and bold and they're the center of attention. Like my safe spot is the kind of wizard behind the curtain, really. Um, but yeah, the, you, you just, the people, it's a really clear distinction. Like when I interact with someone, I go, do, do I have more energy or less after interacting with them? Mm. And the ones that get, the ones that I have more energy with, they get more of my time. And they're like in my circle and it's that simple. And it's not even just with people. It's all the things. It's the people, it's the practices, it's the places, it's the foods. It's like, does this give me energy or does this take it away? Right. Because then you know whether or not you're in a co-creative expansive field of energy that helps you to stay in your flow. Or if you're involved with something or someone that's depleting for you and it knocks you out of that flow. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you have to gauge for yourself and trust yourself, trust your intuition to discern the difference and keep practicing that discernment and that act of tuning in. And then eventually you fine tune it and it becomes more automatic and you don't have to try too hard to think about it or wonder, okay, how do I tell the difference between just me being up in my head with my thoughts or my actual intuitive knowing? Mm -hmm. Mm. that's a powerful distinction yeah it is and that's a distinction that i can tell you are really committed to making so that you can come across in the most authentic thoughtful way possible like you're so deliberate and intentional thank you (laughs) received i really respect and appreciate that about you and you can make it look so easy but it takes work doesn't it there's some behind (laughs) it's it's interesting to hear that reflection but it's been a it's been a long journey like for anything you watch the olympics and you're like oh they make it look easy then you go try to do it and you're like okay that is mastery (laughs) if ever there was yeah um 
Thank you. I, I, I appreciate those reflections and that it comes across as genuine and authentic and, and natural. It's, it's certainly been a while to get to that point. And it's also very intentional because when I go online, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about online and it's really easy to feel inauthentic. Mm -hmm. It's really easy, like, especially now with ChatGPT, I can tell immediately someone's reading from a screen and that it's a GPT prompt. And I'm like, oh, I, it immediately feels different. <laughs> right? I confess I have used AI and ChatGPT to flesh out certain things like a sales page, but I will yeah. read through and I will reword things so that my own voice is in there because you're right. People can tell, people can call you out. They know that it's mm -hmm. not your actual voice. And if you want to get into that, I think it's fascinating. And I think, honestly, it's a really powerful tool mm -hmm. that either you're going to use it or not, but the whole rest of the world is, is moving towards that. Mm -hmm. And either you can use it for good or other people are going to use it for other things. So it's like, I think, yeah, amazing. Write your sales page with it. You have a, now you have a free employee to go assist you in all of these things. You have a research assistant, you have a, a copywriter, you have all of these things. And then at the end, yeah, make it your own. Right, but still infuse it with the intentionality. You have the ability to do that. Not exactly. just grab something, just copy and paste and just throw it up there. And there's a lot of that and it's gonna be so easy and people are gonna sniff out that bullshit so quickly that it won't last. I truly believe that unless people use it really intentionally, um, they're going to be washed away because there's going to be so much vanilla. Mm -hmm. The coolest part I would say about AI and it is the, especially with ChatGPT, the response is only as good as your prompt. And it's a real-time reflection of the power of the clarity of your questions. Yes. And I, I've gotten my mom and my grandma on there. I was playing around with my grandma at Christmas. We, we, I was like, hmm, AI, what's something uniquely human that AI couldn't do? I'll trick it. And I was like, poems. It couldn't write a poem. I ended up having my grandma write a poem with AI. And I ended up sending out a bunch of poems to like everyone in my inbox of texts. Like I would put in like some specific details that only I would know. And then be like, write a poem for this friend. And I would send it out. But the coolest part is, yeah, the quality of questions and the real-time response. And I I got my mom plugged in on to ChatGPT for this one session. And it was like, you can see the, like Tony Robbins says, the, the quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of your questions, right? But like that feels like some philosophical thing until you're in a direct dialogue with something that will spit back an answer for anything. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, that wasn't the answer. That's a bad answer. And it's, it's no longer, it's a bad answer. It was, a, it was an unclear prompt. Right. There is, oh my gosh. I tell people too, when you ask the right questions, then you'll get pointed in the right direction. But if you're, you're like so close to asking a so much more interesting question. Right. Like, I don't know if this, this freaks you out or a lot of my listeners. Let's go there. I need to row in oracle cards on a daily basis as a part of my meditation yeah. practice. But it's taught me how to become very 
clear on what it is that I need to dig into to get the right answer, to investigate in the right place. And sometimes I even need to ask, what is it that I'm not seeing or paying attention to that I need to see and pay attention to? Because sometimes we have things that are in our blind spots. And for whatever reason, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, yeah, a lot of times, <laughs> a lot of times we will ignore intuition. I actually have, I was telling Stacy this, who was on my podcast previously, I have a prompt off camera, actually. I mean, mm -hmm. off recording. I have a prompt asking potential clients, if you have an intuitive hunch that you left your keys in the catch-all in the entryway console table, do you ignore it and just head out the door and find out when you try to lock your door? Or do mm -hmm. you actually pause and listen into that intuition? And that makes such a huge difference with following your intuition, taking inspired action and having a more concise, how do I say, like path of flow, rather mm. than ping-ponging back, back and forth with your mind on whether or not you did the right thing, or if you're coming from the right place with your decisions, or if your decisions are going to lead you to the right places, you can get into so much control and judgments when you get into that place versus a more intuitive get into what in Hawaiian is called your now your seed of knowing your inner knowing mm. and they also talk about your your amakua which is your higher self you have a self that's way bigger so also knowing that your purpose of living and existing is way bigger than the frivolity of trying to figure out if you're going to do the right or the wrong thing instead just do 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 the do your best and fuck the rest really <laughs> just <laughs> get into your intuition and do the thing and keep doing the thing and don't allow yourself to spend energy unnecessarily mulling over oh my gosh did i do the right did i do, did I do the wrong thing so that you can keep doing the thing but clarity will help you so much in avoiding unnecessary potholes and detours so i feel like that's where the the questions really come in like mm. am i coming from a fear-based place of insecurity that is causing resistance and if so where is this coming from why is this coming up what is in the, what is the value in this coming up those are beautiful questions yeah if you ask these kinds of questions i ask these kind of questions with tarot and oracle when i read for clients I bring up these kind of questions and they look at me like, I wouldn't think to ask that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for letting me into the, your world and what you do with clients. It sounds really powerful. I kind of hide this because this intuitive business, it actually is my business, oftentimes feels very woo-woo to some people. But another thing that I really hesitate with on uh, using tarot oracle and astrology as modalities is often people use these modalities to confirm their pain and suffering they will get mm. on youtube they will get on tiktok or wherever and all they're really looking for is confirmation of their pain and suffering and not really what they need to do to move past it so i've thrown up a youtube video and i got eight thousand views and i know that people are interested but i definitely could feel like they were 
in a place of traumatic resistance, they're stuck there and they weren't seeing a way out, nor were they seeking it. It's a hard place to be. Yeah. yeah. So I stopped offering that to people. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what the mind will do. Like it, it can find evidence to support just about anything. Yeah. So There's this I, line, uh, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And I wish I knew the attribution for that, but I heard it somewhere and it's just absolutely stuck with me. And it's like, yeah, if I yeah, fight for my limitations, if and I fight for the reason that I things are not the way that I want, I will 100% guarantee that I will find the evidence for it. Definitely. That is actually a part of our psychobiological makeup. We're always seeking to confirm threats to survival. Psychobiologically, that is not required. Pardon? Like that hypervigilance is the only reason that we're here. If our ancestors did not have that, we would all be like lunch for some animal. Right. But we're not animals. We have a higher level of consciousness that we can leverage. Mm. Not just overcome that but to integrate our biology and our higher consciousness into one cohesive unit of intentional being that's beautiful yeah and i think you said it right there it's it's the integrating those two parts because there's one part of us that is 100 animal right it's like my dog is one of my greatest teachers and summit yeah summit's an, a literal angel and I, I've seen the power of love, and that, as cheesy as that might sound, but like the power of love to transform a being. And like, she is an entirely different dog than when I first got her. And we can go into that if you want. But why I, why I started there is that we have this animal. Like, I feel like there's this whole spiritual community that does not recognize the animal aspect of us. And it's like, we're just going to transcend all of that talk in 5D, my higher self, you know, from this really enlightened perspective. And at the same time, there's, it seems to me that there's a very enlightened, integrative perspective where you honor this like animal. It's an animal. You got to walk it. You've got to, you know, water it. You got to feed it. You got to, you know, like head it sometimes just tapping it uh, one of the greatest things that i heard this year was was this guy and he was like honestly i wake up now and i treat my body like a horse and i just like you would go up and be like ah oh, like what a beautiful animal he just naturally kind of pet it he's like i realized i loved all of my lovers like rubbing my chest but i would ne i've never done that for myself so i just started waking up and i would go oh What's up, you beautiful animal? You know, just like just like you would naturally treat any other majestic creature, like a horse or a dog. Like, oh, that is actually a qigong practice of releasing anxious energy from yourself. Mm, I love that. Yeah, and there are so many. Like, I'm sure it's been packaged in many different ways. And there's EFT, and there's all of these little practices. But it's like, yeah, those those would not work if we weren't biologically just a creature. It's our nervous systems. When we self-soothe that way, we're actually working to calm our nervous systems. And our nervous systems are so prone to jumping into fight, flight, or freeze at the littlest trigger. 
So actually, it will eat up so much of our energy, our inspiration, our creative drive, our focus, our flow. Mm -hmm. When we're constantly battling it out to try and yank our bodies, our nervous systems out of fight, flight, or freeze over and over and over and over again, and manage our triggers or jump on damage control for when we say things, when we speak out of turn or say things that we wish we hadn't said or done something we wish we hadn't done or a knee-jerk reaction that we really wish we hadn't acted on. (laughs) And it just becomes, life becomes so much easier when you have these practices of just self-love, connecting with your body, hydrating, nourishing yourself. It seems so simple and basic. Which is usually what's missing. (laughs) That's how you bring your spirit into your body. That's how you connect the two together. You honor your body as much as your spirit. And then eventually you become more integrated and you experience more co- more coherence instead of chaos in your life. Those are the two forces in the universe, coherence and chaos. Mm-hmm. And entropy is very real. Very, yeah. very real. <laughs> and both of them have value in terms of experience. Experiencing coherence and chaos are both very valuable. They both teach you about harmony and disharmony. Hmm. So I love the way you do the world. Thank you. I know you get into the Tao Te Ching. We've talked about this before. You read the Stephen Mitchell translation, right? I did, yeah. And just like just like you recommended that show before, and I'll have to listen to this episode to get back to it. But um, I use people as my filtration device for content because mm-hmm. there's so much content, right? Like if I tried to go listen to all the podcasts, I would never end. Uh, Stephen Mitchell was the Tim Ferriss recommendation for Dao Te Ching, and I ordered it, and I love it. Yeah, what is the edition that you have? Well, for me, I feel like it's very simple. Yeah. It's basically, you can be connected with your own essence and act from there, Mm -hmm. or you can be disconnected from your essence and act from there and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautifully simple. Yeah, yeah. It's easier said than done, but that's basically it. Because when you're connected to your own essence, you actually get to experience more of the oneness. But then when you're not connected with your essence, you experience more fragmentation and confusion, disorientation. You're lacking focus and direction. And of course, you're lost and confused. Yeah. I just thought of, okay, so if anybody's listening in and the Tao Te Ching seems kind of hard because I know for you and I, Devin, we're not afraid to get into these kinds of higher consciousness. That's what I was just thinking, like the, hearing those, that that language, it um, it's so beautiful and it also seems somewhat inaccessible. Right. So my recommendation for anybody for whom that feels really challenging to wrap your mind around i would say go read the Tao of poop mm, that's fantastic all right there's it's the a Tao. Story? pardon children's story well it's like a simplified explanation of the Tao to change from winnie the pooh's perspective i love that so much <laughs> i recommend this to a lot of people and even that sometimes they come back to me and they just say i don't get it <laughs> and that's I okay just, yeah, it's okay. I just, my offer of further 
clarification would be instead of approaching it mentally, try to approach it almost like a child. Just asking why? Hmm. What is this about? And usually when people get out of their heads and into their childlike spirits, which always resides within us, no matter whether or not we think we're so big and grown up and serious that it's not there anymore, it's still there. <laughs> if you connect with that and then you read the Tao of Pooh, you will understand a lot better. And there's also the the day of Piglet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, if I ever have kids, I will read that with them. That'll be a fun one. Oh my goodness. I, I totally believe that kids can definitely learn about this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And with Brene Brown, I read her book, Daring Greatly, which mm -hmm. goes into vulnerability and how being vulnerable empowers us to be better and more effective leaders. She talked about her daughter coming home from school one day. I guess her daughter had made a mess and her teacher pointed it out. And she said to her daughter, you are a mess. And the little girl answered back. She said, I made a mess, but I am not a mess. That is not my identity. <laughs> mm. like, mm. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> I thought that was just so great. And that just gave me a light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, kids can understand. Yeah. So why not share and help each other learn so that we can all become human beings who are enlightened aware and evolved not i don't mean like we're some sort of ethereal higher conscious beings that are just floating out into outer space but <laughs> i mean that we're just so aware of ourselves and each other that we have much less resistance and a lot more harmony in our lives and our relationships that makes everything so much easier i feel it does it feels like you speak in frequencies a lot. It feels like there's this, and I, I resonate with that. Um, even, okay, resonate, frequencies, uh, harmonize. <laughs> like you have the, and, and I mean, maybe it goes back to like that Nikolai Tesla quote of like the, the universe reveals its secrets when we think about in, in harmony or frequencies. I'm totally butchering that quote. But that sentiment, it's like, yeah, then we, it's, it's a musical life. Like the, the, you can hear when that's a, that's a clashing frequency <laughs> that doesn't fit. And then it's like, oh yeah, back to the music. Maybe that was just a grace note. That whole idea of frequency, I feel like listeners tuning in probably will understand something to do with frequencies. And that too, I feel it can be simplified. You can come from a place of love or you can come from a place of fear. Very yeah. different, very different frequencies, very different songs. Right. And yeah. speaking of which, like when you create your music and you flow your spirit and your energy into it, you're connecting with the medium of music. It's an art form. It's just like if you would take a canvas and paint on it, you're taking your spirit and you're painting on the canvas of your music with your spirit. Can you tell me more about your connection to music and what music means to you in terms of being your, your chosen form of artistic expression? Hmm. 
Interesting. Even just as you asked that, I noticed I was closing my eyes and listening, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I could go back to the origin of it. And I think there's so much where music was a form of connection and it was a form of like feeling more connected to my friends than ever and yet not even having to say a word wow. and that, that experience like those were some of my initial experiences of flow and I didn't have the language for it I didn't know any of the scientific background for it I didn't have any of that but I knew that something happened something happened when we would just create and listen and listen and like have that interplay between each other Mm. It is. it's that co-creative experience it's the oh you played that which informs what i'm going to respond with and it's this dial it's like it's communication it's like a real conversation when done well i think if you are loving this podcast and you are just like yes keep it coming please head to the description details to see how you can support the production, and all the work that goes into every single episode. And I think that was my entry point into music where I just felt this deep sense of connection in, in my teenage years when I was just the, the most awkward guy, probably. And I would, um, I would go snowboarding with my best friend and he lived on the backside of the mountain. And after, you know, the sun went down, we would go and we started learning guitar together. Oh. And that was, that was, yeah, it led to me just like being absolutely fascinated with listening and sounds and creating sonic landscapes and what it meant to like, where the heck does a song come from? What is a song? How do you do this? How do you record it? You, you know, it was just like, it was my mystery that entranced me of going, how do you, how does this work? I love what? how you do that, translating wow. history. Yeah, you know, some people are really fascinated with how a car works. I don't care at all. <laughs> For some reason, I just was fascinated with what is a song? How do I do this thing? How do people pick up an instrument and just express something that speaks to me at a, at a depth that no words could access? Hmm. That reminds me, my my own creative mentor is a jazz musician. He said that he's out in a punk rock band. He just felt angry, insecure, and so he's just channeling his anger into his music. And after a while, he went into jazz. He felt a different way. He felt that there was a new channel of expressing himself that was opening up for him. Yeah. And he shared with me that jazz was like a form of communication, like two jazz musicians with completely different styles who don't even know each other can play their music with each other and go back and forth and co-create something mm -hmm. that has fluidity and dynamism to it that they wouldn't have been able to create by themselves. Yeah, it's a totally different level of conversation, right? Yeah. And if you think about it like a language, like punk rock is nothing wrong with it. I love punk. 
it's definitely like an easier conversation to get in and to like understand those words mm -hmm. if we're going to continue with the metaphor, right? But then jazz is like free form, expressive, dynamic. It's the kind of conversation that we're having now. Yeah. But we didn't start out having these kinds of conversations. We started out going. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a really apt metaphor for self-expression in general, though, because we can become very, we can be very rough around the edges. We can be very unrefined. But as you were saying earlier, it's a continual process of refinement. And as you continuously refine and gain mastery, you become a lot more sophisticated and natural, almost effortless mm -hmm. in the way that you express yourself. And effortless, not in the, the way, a lot of people get triggered by the word effortless because they often feel like they've had so much resistance in their lives that they just don't know what life without so much resistance is. Yeah. But things do become more effortless when you refine, you gain mastery, it doesn't mean that you don't have resistance. It means you bounce back faster. And, and if you made it really simple, how much resistance do you have to tying your shoe? To yeah. walk in? Brushing your teeth. Things that we've done so many times that it's like, oh, yeah, no, that was probably hard once. But I don't give it much thought now. Yeah, I mean, think about how like, parents potty train their kids or get them to brush their teeth. There's a lot of resistance there. <laughs> <laughs> There's temper tantrums. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to bed. <laughs> I think, uh, so I'll bring something up that I think is pretty relevant here. Whenever someone comes into the studio and I'm working with them, um, so much of the songwriting process, what I've found is like creating the space. And that was before I've ever heard of space holding and all this stuff. <laughs> but it, it really comes down to, is it, does it feel safe? Does it feel safe to express um, and so much of that comes with the proper framing. So one thing that I always share with people is that uh, noise is the prerequisite to music. Right. And it's like, I know you want this to sound perfect. I know you want this to sound like a masterpiece. And I give you full permission to make all of the weird ass sounds in the process to getting there. And I'll sit over here and, and, you know, highlight and underline the pieces that, that move forward with us. And we'll let the other ones be the noise that just was on the way. That is just so beautifully well said. Because as artists, musicians, whatever kind of creator we are, we need to throw it all out there. Just throw it all together. And again, it goes back to the process of refinement. Mm -hmm. And there were some really key distinctions in that process. Like I'll speak just for music because that's where I know. But if I were to throw out all of my ideas and let it be sloppy and let it be messy and let it be the noise. And if I were to put that out online, I would not like that feedback. People would not receive it well. Like it, that, there's a, there's a time and a place for each level of refinement, right? It's like I have voice memos of song ideas and the origin of what could be great songs that I will only share with a very specific few people that can hear beneath the imperfections and they can hear the kernel of something there. But it's like, I am not one to go, let it all hang out, share your journal online. You have a song idea, post it. It's like, 
no, bring that to somewhere really special where you can incubate it, where you can, where you can get the reps in and it's, and let it be messy. And then when you go perform, share the version that you feel really good with. That to me makes me think of how there's a balance because some people will hesitate to put anything out there at all because they feel like they haven't perfected their craft enough. Mm-hmm. And that can stop them from creating the damn thing. 100%. And it's a dance. Like I, both are valid points. I think there's a healthy level of it. And then there's uh, there's a line where it starts to be counterproductive. Yeah, there I've is. I've definitely stayed in that, over that line many times, yes. There's there's a dance between the, the messy, imperfect action and also doing the damn thing, right? And you find that sweet spot? Mm-hmm. How do you feel? And like, the sharing piece, which is a totally different thing. So how do you feel like all three of these elements can come together in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't have to be so resistant and icky? Help me understand the three elements one more time. So making a creative mess, yeah, finding it, mm-hmm. doing the damn thing, and then sharing. Yeah. That would be the three-step creative process that actually we all have to go through. But yeah. every single time we go through it, it's like we walk through a wall of fire and we come out as a different person on the other side than we were before. So mm-hmm. unless we do that, we can't reveal more of ourselves to ourselves and the world. There's no way. Mm. We have to walk through that wall of fire to release more of our essence, to make more of it, to bring more of it online. I feel like it's a way that what is not us, what is not truly the highest form of our expression gets burned away in a sense. Mm. So is there a question in there? I'm just wondering, like for anybody listening. I love where you're going. (laughs) And I love those three elements. I'm just wondering for anybody who's listening in, just thinking, well, that's great, guys. You you just seem naturally creative and you just come up with stuff. I don't even know what the heck I could come up with. And I often go through creative blocks with creating my music or writing my songs and lyrics or journaling because I can't even get through that whole fear of being messy and not being perfect enough that I can't even get to the point of making a creative mess. Like, what do you have to say for those people? Ooh, okay. So thank you. Thank you. That's a really clear question. I think giving yourself a creative container where there are those clear distinctions. Like if you were to pick up a journal practice, which is an, notoriously difficult for a lot of people, including myself. And even though that I know how powerful it is, If you were to show me a journaling practice and then be like, by the way, it's going to be shared with everyone. There's going to be a permanent record of this on the internet. I would have a very different relationship with it than being like, this is your own personal little sanctuary. This journal is only for you. None of it will be shared unless you choose and you get to ideate, you get to create, you get to play around with possibilities with this, your own little personal sanctuary. Mm. So there's a very clear distinction of this is playing and creating versus sharing. 
And I always think about food analogies. And it's like, let's say, let's say you were coming up with a new recipe or you were learning to cook. Maybe you do all of those things and you like create your recipe. Uh, not the day before you have like the banquet or I don't know, you're cooking for someone's wedding. You try those out in the privacy of your own home. Like you and 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 there's very clearly a time where you're throwing things together and then maybe it turns into a mess and maybe you eat it or maybe it's so bad that you have to chuck it. But you had the safety of playing with the possibilities. And then when it was time to entertain, when it was time to host, when it was time to have someone over or cook for someone else, you would probably go with the recipe that you've kind of refined. Mm-hmm. And that's like the messy part. And then there's also the messy part of you actually creating it where you're like, I need this tool. I need this dish. I need like, I'm going to make a mess in the kitchen. (laughs) But you don't serve it like that. You take the time and you plate it nicely. Right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like culinary analogies are so good, especially when it comes to music. There are times when I'm just hashing up a new sauce. And it's like, oh, that tastes terrible. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's definitely not it. We're only making this worse. And then you cook. What's that? You cook. Oh, yeah, you have to. I eat. There's an animal in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's so awesome. The analogy is really clear, too. But when you were sharing that analogy, what popped up for me was expectation. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes our creative expressions held hostage by our own expectations Ooh, say it again play it back say it again for the people. <laughs> 100% and I feel like also we get held back by punishment and reward incentivized motivation yeah, yeah. so it, it really puts up a wall of resistance for us that we encounter when it comes to free-flowing creative expression because we're not creating for the sake of creating. We have our own expectations and we also have an implicit expectation of reward or punishment. Easy to, yeah. Yeah. So when you hit a wall of fearing rejection or feeling like memories of past disappointments come up, or feeling like you put something really great out there before, like you created something amazing, but you don't know if you're going to be able to do it again. Like, is there going to be a sequel? Uh-huh. Is it going to be a part of that, like one hit wonder song that hit the the billboard, whatever number one time, but you're just never going to be able to do that again. Yeah. What do you have to say to just saying, fuck it <laughs> and just getting into creation? For the sake of creation. Yeah. So, I mean, you said it. It's there's, there's a, you just created that constraint and the container and the safety that can live in that creative constraint of going, hey, this is a time and space just for creation. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have the ability to make those distinctions, then it's all one big thing. And then your passion project, you're judging this like next to Lady Gaga. It's not fair, right? There are are two main points that I would love to share. One is pressure Mm -hmm. does not enhance performance. And it certainly does not enhance. 
That's there's good. a there's a fine line, and I will say that like inflow research, they have they have put the number of four percent. You want it to be four percent pressure, like into your stretch zone, leaning into your edge, expanding your capacity, four percent, which is like very easy to extend. That's a very small. You, you want to be stretched a little. You don't want to snap. And the other piece is a personal mantra that I've shared with a lot of people that you know a coach shared with me a while ago. But it was high intention, low attachment. Mm. And that is most helpful. Hmm. I was going to say it was most helpful for when you're like front facing and performing and releasing. But I think it's actually a great mantra for the entire process where it's like, I'm going to show up with high intention. I know why I'm here. I know what I'm creating. I know I'm going to be present. I'm going to practice presence and be open to the creative possibilities, like everything that is in the creative mindset, and then completely let it go. Yeah. It's like, if I were sitting here thinking about how this podcast would be received by some listener and how many numbers are like, would it turn into a client or like, should I have, should I optimize for this? It would be a terrible conversation. Absolutely. It would be so forced and contrived. It wouldn't, be you really you wouldn't be showing as your authentic self that way and it, that would also be so easy to do that would be a path that's so easy to go down because all of those mechanisms are there like coming into this and going high intention zero attachment it's like my intention is to be present with you mine too let's see what, let's see what we cook up and whatever happens from that it's not in my control i mean it goes back to the bhagavad gita and they talk, to, they talk about being unattached to the fruit of your labor, mm -hmm. the, fruit, the fruit of your action, rather. It's like timeless perennial philosophies that still hold up. That reminds me of the Chinese concept of wu-wei or non-doing. It's basically non-attached doing, actually. Right. And that's just so liberating when you can understand it but still there's a sort of cultural narrative that tells people that pressure helps you to pre perform better and a lot of people okay, a high stress you know a high stress high productivity sort of work ethic yeah but it's so toxic it's just so aggressive towards yeah. our bodies, our nervous systems, towards us as living, breathing beings. We're not just productivity machines here to crank it out. Creativity should not be another resource to exploit like fossil fuels or whatever out there. Yeah. Creativity that actually- side of the outcome, it's really easy to make it that. Yeah. Right? If it, if you need to be creative to pay your bills, if you mm -hmm. need to be creative or perform a certain way or to have some sort of feedback to like get your base needs of the animal met, then it's a totally different relationship. Yeah, that too, definitely. That's probably something that gets people really afraid to strike out on their own, start the business, create the music, create the art, put it out there in the world. It goes back to expectations, but yeah, you need to have those basic needs met. 
It's definitely helpful. <laughs> it is definitely helpful. The version of you that's that, that went for a walk today, that drank enough water, that drank more water than coffee, that that slept really well last night, that didn't wake up and go went on the phone, that ate like nutritious food and took your supplements and sat in the sun like a plant. <laughs> just like a weirdo and didn't even care that other people were looking at you because you were just sitting. Like that version of you that's well-slept, that's well-fed, that's well-everything shows up and is able to be productive, mm -hmm. is, able to, is able to be present. Yeah. And when you create from that level of presence, the resonance is stronger. Mm. There's potency. Yeah, there is potency. So for me, I feel like it's great when you grapple with those shadowy aspects of risk, rejection, disappointment. You've dealt with those, right? You can't not. Yeah, of course. What have your experiences with those been like? Like how have you encountered the fear of risk, rejection, disappointment? Uh very unskillfully, many times. <laughs> I'd like to think more skillfully now. Uh, but it, like that stuff doesn't go away and going back to just the animal beings that we are like we're just as animal yes we do have this capacity for higher level thinking yeah. it might be it might be entirely unique to the human species and there's this animal being that means that is programmed to go fear of rejection means i get kicked out of the tribe mm -hmm. that means that someone does which means if I show someone this song and they don't like it, that somehow in part of our brain means death, which is kind of high stakes, right? Mm -hmm. So like, uh, let's, I'll cut beneath the theory and I'll give you some, give you some real stuff. You, the question was fear of rejection? Yeah, fear of rejection, just the, the unwanted, experiences of being human in general that we're going to encounter no matter what and simply meeting that with compassionate non-attached attention those are beautiful words um okay so where do i want to start with this there's a phrase that it's that's a great like multi-purpose perspective shift, which is, uh, it's not the thing, it's the relationship to the thing. And from one way, if we're grounded in the right kind of present, if we're in that compassionate place, uh, I was going to share before, like there's this mantra that really tremendously helped me when I was going through uh, my my grandfather's passing. And it was the loving rock, which is a Ram Dass mantra. He did a lot of work with like death doula and then in that transition and that idea of being this loving rock. And obviously like this is really idealistic and I don't always live up to that. And there are moments where I feel incredibly, you know, all of the things, but there is that intention where it's not the, it's not the thing, it's the relationship with the thing. And if I can be in that intentional space of I'm the loving rock, <laughs> as goofy as that may sound, and I probably would not be voicing that. But it's like, if I can be in that place where I am unmovable and I just can relentlessly choose love moment to moment, regardless if someone yelled at me, that's not a reflection of me. 
And regardless if someone is upset or angry, I, I give them full permission and I allow them to have their own experience without it meaning something to me. And again, this is really high level stuff. That's like, yeah, when I'm dialed in, ideally that's how I handle situations. And all the other pieces below that are really real too, where I feel rejected and, or like you can feel like I didn't perform well, or like the criticism comes up and, and like I've botched shows I've shared. I think I've shared this on other podcasts where like I've literally walked off stage in New York city barefoot with tears of frustration. Mm. Like that's the level of pressure that is not helpful. No, absolutely. You know? That will destroy your self-confidence. It will destroy you. And it's also, so where are you coming from? And working with a lot of creatives and working with a lot of um, artists, there have been many aha moments where they realize that, holy shit, almost all of what I've been creating has been from a place of, I don't like these words, but unworthiness or seeking validation, like creating to be enough rather than knowing your inherent worth and value and, and creating from that place as an overflow. Two totally different places to create from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Probably, like you said before, like if you were to cut it down the middle, there's creating from a place of love, creating from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of not being enough, fear of not being worthy. I don't know where I'm rambling with this, but you can cut me off at any point. <laughs> fear oh, of rejection, okay. it's always there. Yeah, it's always there. Feel free to ramble, please. Whatever you... Okay, here's my last piece. I'm going to circle it back to high intention, low attachment, because it's so, it's such just a powerful teaching. Because let's say we're, we're both in like this online weird space where we refine ourselves into a meme and put ourselves out there. And like, clearly it's not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a package. It's a, you've put yourself into a thing. You've reduced yourself into a thing. And like, we know that the weatherman is not just the weatherman. Like he has a life and, you know, um, so when you put yourself out there like that, you know that you're going to get people that don't like you. Mm -hmm. it doesn't resonate and that it doesn't land and maybe it pisses them off and the cool part is when your intention is high enough it's like great I'm solid in what I'm doing here because I know it's true to me like this is my unique frequency I know what I stand for I know my values I know that this is an expression of that and it's authentic and if it doesn't land with someone that's their thing Right, but those people are not your connections. Yeah, and it's that focus. And it's it's from that orientation of, this is not going to land for most people. Mm -hmm. um, one, and if it, if it only connects with one person, then it was a success. But that's a very deliberate mindset. And most people, when they get into that kind of game, you're looking and comparing at people that have teams, that have analytics, that have content creators, it's very polished. You know, they do the keywords, they're getting the metrics. And th so they'll judge like, oh, I made this post and it got seven hearts. But I look over here and that, I got, you know, a million. I used to work in that environment with NBC Universal with E! News. It was a celebrity news gossip outlet. Interesting. We had- Oh my world, bring me up to speed. 
we had an army of bloggers who were criticized for having the English writing skills of an eighth grader. Basically just churning out the latest fight that Kim Kardashian had with whoever, what Justin Bieber has for breakfast or whatever. Just gobbled right up. Yeah, it's just creating all that content. And I did SEO research and analytics and saw that at the very top were subjects like death, divorce, overdose, breakups, scandals. And some of the nicer ones that were mixed in there were babies and weddings. I just felt disgusted. And every Monday we would have this stand-up meeting in front of everybody saying, okay, we reached engagement in the billions. We need to keep doing this, keep pumping out more content. And every time I would just feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm not feeling good about this. I feel so misaligned and spiritually psychologically tortured by being here <laughs> mm-hmm. and so for me I feel like when I see content <clears throat> like pardon I remember I saw in your stories you were doing calligraphy hmm. and you'd use the word intention and you're writing it out in Chinese was it Mandarin I honestly don't know Chinese Chinese just oh okay I practice Qigong and I'm learning I'm totally a student you were breaking down the word intention very beautifully and you were sharing what you geek out about I found that so refreshing I would rather know that than where in the world Jennifer Lawrence bought her house and what's in there I I, I don't care and and at the same light recognize that you're not the majority which is interesting right and then go full circle again and it's back to that hypervigilance that's programmed into us. I have a friend that says it's, he goes, um, like he works in addiction recovery and stuff like that. And he'll say that, oh, I, I went limbic. Like mm. when you're in that place where your, your hindbrain is making the decisions. But it's like that hypervigilance, that's what we pay attention to. It's the death, it's the breakup, it's the gossip. So of course they're going to create more of that because they're not operating from high intention, low attachment. It's the entire opposite because it's there's money behind it and they get rewarded for eyes, not for the quality of content that they put out, right? It gets people's negativity bias buy-in. Mm-hmm. That's our survival instinct. Reliably, 100%. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, humans are programmed this way. Should we use it? Absolutely. If it's this multinational corporation, sure, because it helps them out with their numbers, with their analytics. I would have to get into meetings day in and day out every workday of my life going over metrics, analytics. Oh, this is the trend. So we all need to go in this direction. It was exhausting. (laughs) exactly so it's like that's the complete other side of the seesaw where you're all about the attachment to the outcomes mm-hmm. very li- and like oh intention it doesn't matter what we put out as long as it gets eyes yeah and it's and, so bad you, know, you left that right? yeah you left yeah for a reason i burned out really badly yeah yeah <laughs> it'll do it to you yeah and so to, okay so going back to the uh, Dao Te Ching, and you said like the essential matter or the um, like the I forget the the phrasing that you said, 
like our 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 most natural state of being. Mm-hmm. If I were to ground that down from like Wooville for me, and and I were just to think about like the the natural intelligence of nature in its ability, like the river will flow. No, you don't need to make it do that. Like the the tree will grow. Mm-hmm. If I were to try to push the river, it's going to be really exhausting. I'm going to get burnt out. It's mm-hmm. going to be pretty effective. But I could just look the other way and go, oh, it's kind of a nice float downstream. <laughs> Sorry, I have I have a meeting at 10, but I'm getting all kinds of notifications. I'm so enjoying this conversation. It's so beautiful to connect with you. And um, yeah, it feels like we're on the same wavelength with many things. Definitely. I did have one more question for you that was from my We're Not Really Strangers card deck on self-love. Yeah. Something that you would never want to change about yourself. Hmm. I would never want to change about myself. I think I'm, that is a hard question. <laughs> um, I think no, it's okay. how I just love people. I just genuinely care about mm-hmm. people. I never want that to go. That is beautiful and absolutely evident in all that you do, the way that you speak, the intention you put behind everything thank Thank you sharing with me today let me know if you want to jump back on sometime for another conversation you're a lot of fun but also we can and we have a few minutes now if you want to if you want to riff further and if that's that's the place to put a pin in it that is awesome as well well i am pretty sure that we will be continuing on as friends i feel very grateful that we have found each other through the internet somehow through the quantum ripples and the The internet's not all bad (laughs) it's not all bad but like you said when you show up with that intention and you're in alignment you're in your place of integrity and wholeness you have been really digging that word lately haven't you integrity oh it makes everything work yeah without it nothing works absolutely that integrity is about coming from a place of wholeness and I definitely see that you put so much effort into that. I also see that you have a great way of, you were talking about the mystery and you also, you were also talking about a calling. And I feel like a calling is like you moving towards the mystery, discovering more and more of what that is and how you answer that call, but also like revealing more of yourself along the way. It's, you have this way of combining your resilience with your sensitivity. And I know it's not easy to strike out on your own, create your own practice, your own business, put your work out there, learn how to master the the skills, the resources, the tools, but also not allow yourself to be used by the resources and the tools, right? You get it. 
Yeah. And I think you and I and anyone listening didn't come here for easy. No, but it does get easier when you learn from your experiences and apply the learning in ways that work for you, become a part of your long-term strategy. And also know that you are in it for the long term. You're not just here for a quick fix or a quick gain. You have to be. You have to be. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. what keeps you going? What keeps Every me going? Bit. Yeah. You know that you're in it for something. That's the thing. I feel like when someone like you, someone like me, some people like us dive into okay, we're going into this calling, we're all in. It, it comes from a place of, I know if I don't answer to this, it's going to be like an annoying alarm clock in my life that goes off nonstop. And until I answer, it's never going to go away. I'm always going to be this person. I'm always going to want to do this thing. You're coming from that place, aren't you? That's what I sense about you. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that reflection. <laughs> Um, I had a great therapist a little while back and she said many times, she was like, yep. When the, when the pain of staying the same, <laughs> is the pain of change and you laugh cause it's cliche and it's been overhashed and it could be a Hallmark card, but it's cliche for a reason, you know? It's so true. I'm just laughing because I have just dug in my heels and tried so hard not to change. Yeah, well, it's like, oh, resisting it is too great a task. I don't have the energy to resist it. You hit I an important know. point there. What you're giving your energy to. What do you truly have the energy for? And it goes back to what you were saying. You can put your energy into a pursuit that depletes you or it feeds you. Yeah. And I've done both. And that's a story for another time. But there's a reason why I have my first course that I ever put out called the Anti-Burnout Blueprint. Mm. A very, a very, uh, yeah, personal reason for that. Well, it's, it's hard swimming upstream all the time. Turn around, float. <laughs> that's amazing. I'll definitely grab the link from you so that people can check that out because that is gold right there that you extracted from your experiences so. that's amazing you're doing so good I feel like I met you maybe about a year ago <laughs> and I just spin online every now and then I stayed off the internet because I was in my recovery journey for a while but I've been peeking at you a little bit here and there <laughs> and I've just been noticing that you have been really committed to the process of shining your light and owning it I really admire and respect that about you thank you letting that land yeah it's um here, here's how I'll leave off one of my good friends Darwin he's a he's a really great guy and great coach and musician as well and he said you know our lives are like uh luxury watches mm. especially when we reduce them to some meme online but he's like they're really beautiful on the outside no one has any idea of the complexity that makes that work mm. and it's like you know what i i really i really do value and appreciate how you see me coming online because it's like 
it's it's not attached to any of the process. It's just the outcome. And it's interesting because like I know my journey and I know that it's so much, it is, there's so much beneath that of like, oh, I come across easily on, on camera now. I was so damn awkward. Still feel that sometimes, you know, it's it's a journey. It is a journey. It's a journey of you moving towards the mystery and becoming more and more of a true you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you emphasize mystery and I love that you emphasize calling. Um, it's, it's cool to be able to highlight things that have a lot of meaning. And it's interesting that you said those two words. And um, another one of my friends, Moe, he's like a meme wizard online and uh, yeah, I think this would be valuable to share, but we did an EFT session together because he's just like an absolute ninja of the mind. And at the end, he said something that was really profound. And he basically said, what if this wasn't a, a problem or a puzzle to be solved, but an, a relationship to be tended to, an adventure to be explored? Like, mm. What if this life thing was not a problem to be solved? but an adventure to be appreciated. That is such a beautiful perspective and perspective can definitely shift everything. When you change your perspective, you can change your entire life. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Yeah, I mean, it meant something to me. It's the only reason I would remember it. We have a whole nother conversation about traumatic brain injury and concussions, and I have tons of experience with that as well. And um, really? yes, and my memory has probably been one of the biggest insecurities of my life. Um, hmm. I've broken my, broken my neck and like yeah. my dome many times. And um, the only reason why something would stick is that it means something. So I'm happy to pass it along. Definitely would like to dig into that with you and connect with you on that. I actually shared recently with a friend of mine something that was really painful for a long time because she was sharing with me that she wanted to get back into speech pathology. And I told her I had to deal with blanking out in front of people when they would talk to me and not having the words and feeling so embarrassed and unable to connect with them. I would just back out immediately and not want to meet people or talk to anybody like you because I would just be so afraid that I was going to do that. And it just overwhelms me because I felt like it was out of my control. I can't even help it. <laughs> so definitely I feel the same exact way. And I, I want to leave it off by saying thank you for being the type of person that makes it feel easy to talk and I don't get locked up here and I don't feel any doubt or shame or like pressure to perform and uh, that is a reflection of of who you be so thank you well thank you and you too I feel like we're both holding space for each other and everything is flowing so naturally I really appreciate you listening in I hope you have gotten some really great takeaways that you can apply to your own everyday life. If you have found me on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating, leave a review, shout it out, share this episode with someone you care about that would benefit from learning all of this too. Have a great day today.